Tonight's gonna not gonna, we're not just going to work our way through a sermon. Um, you guys have asked some questions, uh, and I'm going to couple those two things together. So uh, I want to make sure that we, we handle those tonight. So are we ready? Okay, awesome. All right, tonight I have the, the pretty cool opportunity to, to walk through some, some passages of Scripture, uh, some questions that you guys ask. Uh, I'm not sure who asked this or if they're even in the room. And if you are, and if you're like, hey, I want to say this was mine, uh, then you can. But if you want to stay um, kind of indiscreet, you're welcome about that too. Tonight I'm going to talk to you guys about how to incorporate God into your everyday life. Um, and there's another question that we're going to couple in with that too, is somebody asked, why does God allow things to happen that cause people to doubt? Uh, so we're going to tackle both of those. Um, I think that if we do a very thorough job of answering the first question, we're going to handle the second question. Just it's, it's, it's a natural thing that it's going to be answered to. So, All right? Does that sound good? All right, let's pray, and then we will officially start our evening together. God, we love you, and our heart's desire is to know you more. Father, I'm grateful for the young man or young lady who asked this question, or both of these, because these questions show a desire to, to in fact, do that, is to know you more and to know you deeper and to know you more intimately. Father, I know that's your desire to have that type of relationship with us. So God, as we walk through this tonight... As we look into your word, Lord, would you answer these things for us with clarity? Would you show us the tangible things for our life of how we can do these things? We pray that tonight we'll honor you, and we offer our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, like I said earlier, I think these two things are connected. And my attempt tonight is going to be to connect both of these things together as, as you guys, as we walk through this. Um, because the reason that I say that we can, we can put these together is because if we, if we answer the first one, if we incorporate God into our daily life, that changes our perspective. And then we're going to start to see that when things happen, that's not God causing doubt in our life. And we'll answer that here in just a moment, too. All right, so let's start with the first question. The first question is this, is how can I incorporate God into my everyday life? I think for us to best understand this, first off, we have to understand God. We have to understand one thing about God. All of you know that God wants to be involved in your life. Do we agree with that? Is there anyone that disagrees with that? If, if you do, stand on that platform and let, let's talk through it. Okay, so we, we've laid some common ground. We know that we believe that God's desire is to be involved in, in our life. So we, we know that. God is very personable. As we look through all the scriptures, we see that God, even at creation and ever since creation, God has always wanted to have community with his created. This is just the nature of God. He wants to be with those folks that he created. We obviously know that in the beginning, in the garden, he spoke with two individuals. Who were they? Adam and Eve, um, so he had community with Adam and Eve, so we see this. We also see that, that he, he spoke to Moses. How did he speak to Moses? Remember, remember the first way that he got Moses' attention? 
burning bush. So he spoke to Moses through a burning bush. He spoke to a guy by the name of, of Balaam. How many of you guys know this guy, Balaam? How did God speak to Balaam? Do you know? This was the donkey. You know, that, you know when, when all of a sudden the donkey started talking, and Balaam just starts replying to the donkey. And I'm like, you know, he just does it like it's a natural thing. The donkey's like, yo, why do you keep hitting me? My first thing would have been like, why the heck are you talking? You're a donkey. But so we see that God spoke to this man through a donkey. We know that God spoke to Mary and Elizabeth. Um, this was the mother of Jesus and the mother of John the Baptist. How did he speak to them? He spoke to them through the angel Gabriel. Uh, first, uh, he spoke to, well, more grammatically correct, he spoke to Zechariah uh, and told Zechariah when he was uh, in, in the day of atonement, when he was in the Holy of Holies, when he was making the sacrifice for the whole nation. The, the really cool thing about this is people have not heard from God in 400 plus years. Uh, from the end of Malachi to now we're at the beginning of the Gospels, Zechariah goes into the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement, and he's about to make the sacrifice, uh, offer the sacrifice for the whole nation of Israel. All of Israel is standing outside, and they're waiting to see if they had heard a word from God. I mean, but let's be real, it's been 400 years. You think Zechariah might have been just going into the temple, doing his daily thing, and, but all of a sudden God spoke huge thing because God has not spoke for 400 years and the interesting thing about this is because of Zechariah's disbelief no one heard what God said because Zechariah was caused to be mute until John the Baptist was born so he spoke through 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 Gabriel he spoke to Mary through Gabriel uh, so we see that God has a pattern to where he speaks to his creation and then Paul, we know that God spoke to Paul how? I'll wait for this one. I know you know the answer. Saul is on the road to Damascus. How did God speak to him? Through Jesus himself. He spoke to him through Jesus. So, so we see that God, we, what, what I've done is I've established a pattern that God ever since the beginning of creation wants to be in communion with you. How do you incorporate God into your everyday daily life? We're going to talk about that more in just a moment, but know this is that God wants to be involved in every part of your life every day because we see that's the pattern that God has done since the beginning, since creation. That's just how God, God created. Now, so in this case, we see that God has never stopped sharing with his people. So let me ask you this, with that in mind, does God still speak to us today or, we're in high school so we can have some really deep conversations, does God still speak to us today or has he spoken to us and his word is complete? Which one do you think it is? Okay, but you've heard both, right? You've heard people say, there's nothing to add to God's word. God has spoken his word to us. His word is complete. So you say he still speaks to us today. Okay, good. Somebody else? I think he just reiterates what he's already said. It's mm, very wise. He still speaks to us today because he reiterates what he's already said. So, 
Let's play for a moment. Let, let's walk down. The idea is that God doesn't speak anymore, that he's spoken and his word's complete. Let's say that he doesn't speak anymore. Do we have enough evidence that God is still a good God and he wants to be involved in your life every day if he didn't speak another word? Do we have enough evidence? Absolutely. I mean, man, when you start at Genesis and you work your way through all, all the books of the Bible, I mean, you see that there is a God that loves us, that God wants to be with us, that God speaks to us through different people and different means, that we see, even if this was all that we had, the evidence that we had, we see all the way from the beginning to all the way to the end, which the end of this is still the future, and it's kind of a little weird, but if we, if we see that all the way to the end, we see the same pattern that God wants to be intimately involved with his creation. So, Do we have enough evidence? I say yes, because we have firsthand accounts of people that have encountered God in various ways, and they all had to do with because God loved them and wanted to be involved in their life. So that brings up another question. Does God change? Come on, what's the church word we've heard? God's is the same as he was yesterday, today, and in the future. It implies what? God doesn't change. So if we really believe that, and even though if we don't have any new, any new words from God, and this is all that we have, can we still bank our eternity off the fact that, you know what? God loves us, and he wants to be involved in our life every day. Absolutely we can. Because we see the same God show up from different people, but in the same way. So, I would say that if that were the case, that God doesn't speak to us anymore, we still have enough evidence. But, I think that God does still speak to us today. Good job. Awesome job. I didn't mean to leave you out. I'm just getting him first and leave you at the end. Why do I say that? Well, let's, let's look at what the writer of Hebrews tells us. Hebrews gives us an idea of how God has transitioned the way that he speaks to us. Listen to this in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 3. The writer, we don't know who wrote Hebrews, uh, says this. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets, and at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. So in the New Testament time, we see that the writer of Hebrews is acknowledging to the Old Testament, to to the people in this time, in this history, he's saying, look, way long ago, God spoke to us, but he spoke to us through the prophets. A prophet was a spokesperson of God, because realize, we didn't have the Bible. We didn't have the Holy Spirit, which we'll get to in a moment. So God would choose people, and sometimes and he would speak through them. And I'm pointing to you guys, and don't be like, oh, he didn't speak to women. Yes, he did. They're called prophetess. Uh, so, but it's, it's more rare, yes. But most of the time, God would speak through men and women. They were prophets that he would speak through. He would speak his word to them because they didn't have the Bible. So what he's saying is that in the Old Testament time, God spoke to us through the prophets. But in these more recent days, he spoke to us through Jesus Christ. So you see how God has 
and, and this is the way that he, he revealed himself to humanity in this time. And in the New Testament, in this time here that we're looking at, it gives us a different picture of how God reveals himself to humanity now. He speaks directly to them through Jesus Christ. So we see that it's the same nature, the same God, still showing that he wants to be intimately involved in your life. Why? Because he spoke through prophets, and then in this day he spoke through Jesus himself. But let's go on and ask this. Did God all of a sudden stop? No. Well, I don't want to burst your bubble, but Jesus is not walking around here anymore. So how does God speak to us today? Holy Spirit, how do you know that? Where? Okay, where? See, and I know, and that's okay. And I wanted to put you guys on the spot for that reason because I can and you guys won't be mad at me. But here's the thing. People are going to ask. People are going to ask you that very thing. That's oh, in the Bible. Where's it in the Bible, Laura? I I don't know. See, you don't even know. That's something that people have taught you. Show me where it is in Scripture, it, guys. Here's what it does. It puts us on the ropes to where people start to make us doubt. Well, I don't even know why I believe what I believe because I can't find it in Scripture. You've got this amazing thing today that will help you find things in Scripture. You know what it's called? Google. Google that stuff. I, yeah, and that's not what you say. But, but Google that. I mean, you know, where in the Bible does it say that, it, and it'll point you right to it. But you are right in that, my friend, by saying this. In John 16, verses 13 and 14, this is what Jesus says. But when, it, when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. Here comes the future tense. And he will tell you of what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will, rec- what he will make known to you. We see the holistic way that God reveals himself to humanity, even to this day and this time. There was a time to where God spoke to us through prophets. There was a time to where God took on the bodily form of Jesus and came and spoke to us through Jesus. And Jesus says, hey, when I leave, it's not going to finish. It's, it's not going to be complete because I'm going to leave someone who's greater than I that can be in multiple, place, multiple places at once because Jesus was locked into one place at one time and, and he couldn't be in multiple places at once. You guys know that, right? The Holy Spirit can be everywhere. As a matter of fact, for every believer in here, the Holy Spirit is within you. And when you go your separate ways, guess what? God's going to go with you through the Holy Spirit. So now Jesus didn't have that ability. So today, God continues to speak to us through the Holy Spirit. So that's why I say that God continues to talk to us. He talks to us through the Holy Spirit. Um, The Bible tells us that God is still active in our lives today, and he wants to be a part of your life. Um, Now, knowing this, it puts some stuff back on us. We have to be looking for those ways. We have to be ready to experience those, and honestly, we have to be expectant. If the Bible tells me that this is what God has done in the past, he did with Jesus, and what he plans to do um, for the rest of time, then if I believe truly that God's word is truthful and that, that God doesn't lie, then I have to expect 
that I'm going to see glimpses of God every day as I walk around in this place. How are some ways that you do that? Creation. We have a thing at the Egan House. Every time when we get out of our, uh, we, we live way up north of here. Well, I say way, seven whole long miles. Um, but relatively speaking, people here are like, man, you guys live a far piece up that way. <laughs> it's seven miles. I've never lived that close to my church before in my life. Um, but so we live just right up the road here. It's dark where we live, especially if the lights are off. So when we get out of our car at night and we're walking inside, what do we do every time? We stop and we look at the stars without missing a beat. We just get out, and all of us will kind of congregate to the back, and we'll just kind of look up, and we're like, sweet, there's the Big Dipper. There's Saturn. And whenever someone says there's Saturn, you know what they always say? <laughs> you want to see Uranus? Uh, that's just kind of my joke. But my point is this, is that God is the one that put, if you guys didn't get that, you will at some point. Maybe tonight when you, oh, that's what he meant. But it's a planet called Uranus. Anyway. Um, <laughs> sinking in now. Um, but so my point is this, is that we, we see that because we know that God created that. That's a way for us to experience God. So we expect those things. Now, let me go back to the original question because we still have not answered the question. I know that you're sitting here thinking, like, this is great, but we haven't even got to the question. I needed to give you guys enough background or to kind of frame out this whole thing that we, you would understand what I'm about to tell you when it comes to how can we incorporate God into our daily life? You need to be intentional. Everything is about being intentional. It, it's not just something passive. I don't see God in my life. Well, what are you doing to make sure that God is going to be a part of your life every day? Um, and I know that's spiritual because we don't really see that or, or anything. Um, but here's what I want to do. I, I think I'm going to jump ahead of my notes, but that's okay. I, I want to take a spiritual thing, and I want to put it into a physical thing. Because, you know, we can, we can see this, right? If I were to say that, hey, I see the angel Gabriel floating in the sky over there, and you guys don't see him, what are you guys going to think? You're going to think, like, I don't know what he had to drink over there at, the, at dinner, or maybe those strawberries had started fermenting a little bit, because he is acting outside of his mind. You, you, strawberries are good, by the way. But, so you can't see that, but you can see tangible things. Okay, so keep this in mind as we walk forward with this. You have to be intentional with this. Um, first off, let me lay some more foundation as we move forward. If you want God to be a part of your daily life, there's one thing that you'd better make sure that you have done, if not, that you do as soon as you can. What is that? You better surrender your life to the Lord. If you're not a Christian, and if, you're not, if you have not surrendered your life to the Lord, if you're not walking away from the sin that you have in your life, God's not going to be involved in your everyday life. He's not. You're still seen as an enemy of God. Yes, that's a strong word, but that's a word that comes right out of the Bible. That while we were his enemies... Why we were still yet sinners, that's when Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to get perfect with all of our stuff. We're all going to come to, come to the, the, uh, the altar of our heart where we surrender our life to the Lord. Uh, I heard my, one of my favorite passages of Scripture preached today. Those of you guys who know me, where is it? In the Bible. It sounds a lot like Isaiah. Isaiah 6. 
Boom, yes. So I heard that, you know, here's the thing, that if you don't get to the point to where Isaiah did, and if you don't see God for all of his glory, and if it doesn't cause you to say, whoa, man, I am, I am unclean. I don't even want to look on God because I am a sinful person. If you've not got to that point, guess what? God's not going to be involved in your daily life. I don't care how many things you do. It's just not going to happen. Now, here's where I'm going to take the spiritual, make it very physical. Almost 20 years ago, uh, I stood in, in a place just like this, and I watched my wife walk down the aisle. It was amazing. I'm like, man, she's coming towards me because there's nobody else around. And the pastor's not really that good looking either. Uh, so here she came. We made a commitment to each other. I committed my life to her. She committed her life to me. Now, what does that mean? That means for the rest of my life, she will be incorporated into my everyday life. Something that I did in the past is, is what we're talking about here. Now, we, we do some unique things that, that most other people don't. Um, you know, we, we honestly didn't really know each other very well when we got married, like very well at all. But over time, we are intentional because we spend time together. Uh, most of you guys that follow me on Instagram, you used to see it, you'd get sick of it, and you'd like, ugh, quit putting those pictures up, that we would go out on dates. I I've been married to my wife for 20 years, and my daughter's sitting here, so she will attest to this. There's probably not too many weeks that go by to where I don't at least go out on one date with my wife. And you're like, dude, you spend every night, you sleep in the same bed together, why do you go out on dates? Because we're trying to be intentional to have our time alone to where we can sit, and we can talk. I don't know my wife as a PhD student because she, she's in her PhD right now. I don't know Suzanne in that way. So what do I do? I sit down with her weekly and we discuss how things are going in your PhD program. I don't know my wife as she is watching a daughter graduate high school. Your parents are doing the same thing. How does that make her feel? What is she feeling like to watch this next chapter of our life come in? We date. We get to know each other. That's a way that we continue to incorporate each other into our everyday life. Now, backing up, because I've, I've jumped a little bit ahead of myself, the first thing that we did was we committed our lives together. If you don't commit your life to the Lord, He is not going to be a part of your everyday life. Just like if on September the 5th of 1998, if I had not committed my life to my wife, guess what? I would have no idea who that woman is today. She would be somewhere else. I would be somewhere else. We would not know each other whatsoever. That's why the very foundation of committing your, of, of having God be a part of your everyday life is that you have to commit your life to him. If you've not done that, I hope that you will. I hope that when your eyes are opened up, instead of running and fleeing from that, that you really just let go. Because that's the better way to live life is in full surrender to God. So, commit your life to him. Now, uh, not, so I'm going to stick with the marriage concept with this. Is, 
If you have been saved, there's our church word for the night. If you've been saved, does that mean that automatically that God's going to be a part of your everyday life? Not so much. I mean, he's not going to go anywhere. You can't run from his presence. But imagine if 20 years ago, when my wife walked down the aisle, we got married, and then we just kind of cohabitated. We didn't sleep in the same bed. We never talked. We never had any other types of relationship. What do you think our relationship right now would be like? Well, if we're fully committed to marriage, it would still be existent. But is that an abundant life? Is that what Jesus said that he came for? I've came so they can have life and life to the mediocre. And here's the culture of the society that you live in, and it's sad. They can have life, and life will be, that's yeah, okay. It's good enough. Guys, that's not what Christ wanted for your life. Jesus didn't die on the cross so that you can go through school, you can go into college, you can go right into the workforce to just simply say, eh, life's good enough. It's okay. I'm not doing exactly what I want to do, and I'm not on the path that I want to be on. But you know what? It's okay. I'm not as bad off as these people. It's not what life is about. If you want God in your life every day, you have to be intentional about these things. Just like I want my wife to continue to be involved in my life every day. This, this, is, this, is, the, this is how it goes right here in our house. My wife is very disappointed that she's up at her, her, her job tonight because she's like, oh, but you're preaching. And I'm like, well, it's not really a big deal, honey. You've heard me do this before. She's like, it's a big deal for me because I like to be involved in things that you do. That doesn't happen overnight. It takes intentionality, and it takes time. It takes time to weather the storm together. It takes time to go through crisis together. It takes time to celebrate the mountaintops together. And that's all the things that it takes in a marriage. And I say that because that's the same exact thing that it, talk, that it takes for your relationship with God to continue to grow to where that God is involved in your everyday life. It takes time for God to walk you through the storms of life. And you'll see that, hey, the promise that he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, man, he hasn't left me. I went through this whole horrible breakup with this boy, because, and it was just completely bad because we were in seventh grade, and we were already talking about marriage. <laughs> Whatever. But, I mean, I, I say that tongue-in-cheek, but that's what some seventh-grade girls, and guys, don't think I'm picking on the girls too much. That's what some seventh-grade boys think like, too. We're going to get married. Dude, you're in seventh grade. Chances are you're not. I'm sorry. But my point is this, is that it takes intentionality about what you want to do in your life. You've got to walk through the storms to see that, you know what, God, I'm still a precious person in God's eyes in spite of this. You've got to be on the mountaintops with God. Man, we just came back from a mission trip, and I really saw God do some amazing things in my life. The reason that it looks the same in a marriage, that it looks the same in God, because God is consisted of this Godhead. Within the Godhead, you have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Within a marriage, you have the imprint of God. The Godhead is on the marriage because you have the husband, the wife, and the children. It's the same God. 
that, that runs both of them. So there's a lot of things that are going to look the same. So you have to be intentional about how you um, incorporate God into your everyday life. We spend time together. Here's where we get to the, to, to the stuff. How do you incorporate God into your everyday life? Being intentional in these ways. When's the last time you read your Bible? I know, don't say tonight. Outside of tonight. Outside of a Sunday morning. If you want God to be incorporated into your everyday life, you've got to be intentional. He has written a letter to you. You know that I still have the very first letter that my wife wrote to me almost 21 years ago now? At this point, I keep it put in a safe place because I've had it so long that I would really hate for anything to happen to it. And I know, it's just a letter. It's, it's on paper, uh, yellow paper with blue lines, but who, who, who matters about that? But, and I know where she wrote it. She was on a plane, United Airlines, flying back from South Carolina to, to North Carolina. But see, when I read that letter, I understand what she was feeling as she's flying away from me. The excitement, the, uh, the, the, the double-edged sword, the excitement, and also the sadness. She's excited that she's met someone that she's probably about to marry, but she's sad because it's going to be another month before we get together. Occasionally, I'll take that letter out and I'll read it. I mean, I, I, I know it pretty stinking well at this part in life. Why? Because it, it brings all those memories back. God has written some beautiful things to us. It takes time for us to get into his word. We have to read the Bible. And as we read the Bible, the second part of how we can incorporate God into our everyday life is it's only natural that as we read the Bible, our hearts are so full of what God has told us that all of a sudden we start out of the overflow of our heart crying out to our Abba, Father, thank you, God, or woe is me, God, because I don't live up to this standard. That's what prayer is. It's just a natural overflow of our heart. And I know it sounds ridiculous, but sometimes that natural overflow of our heart comes in through prayer, and sometimes it even comes out in song. So we need to read the Bible. We need to be in prayer. We need to worship through song, through our life. We also need to memorize Scripture and meditate on Scripture. You know, so often we'll read through some things, and, and we don't even really grasp hold of what it says Tonight, I just had a conversation with a lady that's probably in her late 40s or early 50s, and she says, I have been a Christian for most of my life, and I'm in one of the ladies' D groups. I'm not. This, I'm still speaking as she's speaking. And she told me, I'm in one of the ladies' D groups here that meets at our church, and we're reading through the Bible. Do you know that I never knew that the Bible said this? The this is a variable, because the this that God shows you in your life it's going to look different than the this that God shows you in your life. Wow, did you know that the Bible said this? And the this is going to look different to you too. What it's going to do is it's going to be an opportunity for God to capture you with his words by saying these things to you. And the Holy Spirit is going to continue to speak into your life and say, hey, you need to hear this right now because of what you're going through. What was me? For I'm a man of unclean lips. That's why, I'm not so much here in Proverbs, but that's why I write in my Bible so much. Oh, I don't want to lose that spot. That's important. But that's why I write in my Bible so much because 
God will capture me in some of the things that he says when I'm reading through Scripture in my time. So we have to be in prayer. We have to read the Bible. We have to meditate on God's Word. And I'm not talking about the kind of meditation where you sit up and you're like, hmm. I've tried that before. It didn't work out so well. I just fell asleep. And my roommate came in and thought something was wrong. I woke up. There was drool all over my shoulder. He said, bro, are you okay? Are you okay? And I'm like, what? I'm sorry. Where am I? I was trying to meditate. I wasn't a Christian at that point. I didn't really understand what it meant. But I just thought, hey, if I meditate, I'll do it like Zen. I'll sit. And it was not a pretty sight. Uh, but my point is this, is meditation means this, is as you read through, even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Meditation means that you ponder on that throughout the day. You look at that from different angles. What is he saying in that passage of Scripture? How does that mean, what does that mean to me today in this time? That's what meditation's like. That's how you incorporate God into your everyday life. Um, uh, listening to pastors preach and then worshiping through songs. Those are just some of the ways that you, you, you continue to incorporate God into your everyday life. Uh, and this is where I normally would talk about the Suzanne and I date, but I, I jumped ahead of that because that's our way. That's the ways that we make sure that we're staying in touch with each other. Because I want to stay fruitfully married to my wife for the rest of my life. And here's the cool thing about it. After 20 years, I can honestly say that I love her so much more than I even could have imagined and thought that I loved her when I saw her walk down the aisle. It hasn't got old. That's what culture tells you. Culture's like, ah, oh, it gets boring the longer you're married. You get to know each other. There's nothing new going on. That's so sad. I've, I've been able to, to have a child with my wife. I've been able to... We, we've watched my, both, of my, both of my parents, but she's been by my side as my parents have passed on in, in, into, into death. We've celebrated the joy of buying a home together. We've been all over the world together at this point. Um, from Kenya to, I'm, sta I'm standing in the middle of the, of the Maasai Mara, the Serengeti, and I'm just looking around and I'm like, this is unbelievable that I get to experience this. All of those with my wife by my side if you spend time with God you love him more than you ever thought that you can imagine now let me wrap up by answering the last question for you why does God allow things to happen that cause people to doubt him as you spend time with God you start to understand that God doesn't cause doubt. Let me go back into the marriage for, for just this last minute or two here. My wife and I spend a lot of time together, and we, we, we are very intentional about what we do and how we communicate and how we talk and things. If something happens, because you ask, you know, why does God allow things to happen that cause people to doubt him? In my marriage, if something happens in my marriage, whatever that happens is, I don't automatically start to doubt whether Suzanne loves me or not. Why? Because of the history of consistent love in us being intentional about including each other into our everyday life, that when something happens, 
I don't automatically think that she is trying to hurt me and start to doubt my love for her. In the same way, as you have God involved in your life every day, and you're very intentional about that, when things happen, you'll not start to doubt, well, here it is. God doesn't love me anymore. That question comes out of a heart of someone that's probably truly not spending time with God. So what's the solution for your life? Spend time with God. Make sure that you incorporate Him in your everyday life. He wants to be there. So if He's not there, then the thing that's missing is your desire to have Him there. We've shown through the, the pages of Scripture, through the other people that God has spoken to, that He wants to be involved in your life. We see that that's His nature. So if you're feeling like He's not really involved in your everyday life, do something. Be around other Christians. Read the Bible. Pray. Ask questions. Ask questions of God. It's okay to question God if your desire is to know more about Him. Does that make sense? Did I, did I fully answer your question well enough, or did I give what I've heard other people say, the church answer? It's pretty cut and dry to me, folks. If you want God involved in your life, invite him into your life. If he's involved in your life, and if he's growing in your life, you're not going to have doubt. When something happens, you're going to understand and your perspective is going to change that God holds you and loves you and will never, ever do anything to cause doubt in your life.